But like when Donatello fights him, he disarms him and knocks him onto the ground and then does a rear naked chokehold on him. <laughs> Just like you're being a little bit more aggressive towards Donatello. Than the, He's like, <laughs> it hurts you more than it hurts me. <laughs> I've been choked out. That hurts. Oh right? Lord. Who choked you out? Michelangelo here, you know, the master of the whirling pizzas. And you, my friend, are listening to Turtle Flakes, a bodacious ball of Ninja Turtles goodness, brought to you by my radical dudes, Rob and John. Cowabunga! Cowabunga, dudes and dudettes, and welcome to another episode of Turtle Flakes. I am your host, Rob, and joining with me, as always, or almost all the time, is my main man, Josh O'Rourke. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Calabunga. Yeah, Calabunga, man. <laughs> How you been doing? Oh, not too bad. Not too bad. Just uh, been really busy over the past week. A lot of work and stuff. People are taking vacations, being selfish. <laughs> I know, not, I know. I can't take vacation until next year. So. Oh, Lord. Well, I'll tell you, my wife and I have been wanting just to go to any beach. We don't care. Any beach. Uh, <laughs> and just kind of sit out in the sand and read a book or something like that for a while. And we've been making plans for that for like five years, and we've still not been able to do it just because circum- different circumstances. But next year, man, it's going to happen. When you finally get there, it's going to rain. You know, <laughs> it's just, just going to happen. Yeah, I know. That's, that's our luck. We call it the Luther luck. <laughs> I don't mean to be that guy, but yeah. That's the truth. <laughs> it's going to rain. <laughs> but so, man, have you gotten any Ninja Turtle pickups over the last – well, actually, you and I talked about two or three days ago. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, doing the uh... – Oh, what was it? The, the uh, Turtles Two and S podcast. Yeah, that was fun, by the way. That was yeah. It's just I, <laughs> I felt bad because I just felt like we were all constantly talking over each other. I, whoever <laughs> has to edit this because I, I cannot edit podcasts. I suck at it. But it's just like whoever's <laughs> going to edit this podcast has uh, has their work cut out for him, man. I, you know what? The funny thing is, though, it feels like we're always talking over each other. But when you go to edit something, it's really not as bad. I mean, I, I know one, a few times, like, I was like, oh, man, I repeated myself, or I, I said, uh, and um, a million times, and yeah, while well, I might have said it a few times, it wasn't, it's never as bad as you think it was, so. Yeah, maybe not, yeah. yeah. We're our own worst enemies, man. I think we're just, just so self-conscious about talking in general, that when we have to, like, listen to it play back in front of us, it's like, oh, God. Oh, gosh, I cringe <sighs> when I hear myself. I, I, I edit most of... Uh, I edit all the Turtle Flakes episode, most of the Retro Junkies shows and stuff. Anytime I talk, the whole reason I want to edit is because of me. I'm a terror. I, I say uh and um all the time. That's natural. Everybody does that. I, I mean, know, like when you, I know, but still. yeah, I mean, yeah, nothing to worry about really. Well, still, <laughs> I, I I ramble uh, and sometimes I get so off topic, and then it's like that Michael Scott line from The Office. It's like sometimes I start a sentence and I don't even know where I'm going with it. <laughs> <laughs> Did she say pizza? So you live in an antique store? Yep, pizza. Mm. Above, actually. Well, I was going to give you guys a tour of the store. Ready? 
I have right here, even though I said I was going to wait, but I have the the brand new TMNT arcade video game inspired action figures from NECA. Oh, so Beautiful, man. Yeah, I know. NECA is, let's see, the National Entertainment Collectibles Association, which is a very, very awesome uh, collectible creator, basically. They're a toy manufacturer. Um, so they make everything from, they make a lot of video game inspired figures. Like, I love the NES uh, line that they have, which you got Jason Voorhees, you got the Contra figures, mm. Leatherface, Batman, Robocop, and uh, Predator, and uh, Freddy Krueger. Oh, I'd love to get the purple Jason. I would love to. I know, that. yeah. <laughs> I would really like to. I just, just one day I will. <laughs> But they're all in the color palette of their 8-bit or 16-bit inspired characters. And in fact, if I remember correctly, the Leatherface character is based on the Atari game. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah, so he's all green with an orange face. And uh, they're really cool. So is he like a giant block or something? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's actually by Funko Pop. Yeah, that's... um, No, uh, so they're all... Uh, they they all have like 14 or 15 points of articulation, beautifully sculpted, uh, beautifully detailed sculpts, you know, and here, let me get this. Yeah, I got it right here. This is nice. the Raphael figure. This part plays great over radio. So <laughs> He's big. They're, are, they're, how big. How tall are they? They're about five inches tall, like here. Um, they look taller me, than a classic figure. Yeah, let me grab... Okay, all my uh, classic figures are actually inboxed on the wall, and I've got another uh, plastic case here full of classic figures. So the only ones that I have out are actually the Universal Monsters one. So, oh, no way. Yeah. Those are the only ones that I have out. So here's the Raphael uh, NECA arcade figure. He stands around five inches tall right next to the Universal Monsters wow. Raphael mummy figure. They're probably around three and a half to four inches tall. So yeah, significantly taller. Yeah, no kids. Yeah, they're good, and all of the NECA figures are pretty tall. Like here's, I've got all of the NECA turtle figures. So like here's the black and white Raphael. Ah, oh, so cool. So right next to the arcade one. Yeah. Yeah. The the NECA figures they have are the black and white. Uh, the first three runs are all inspired by the Mirage comics. You've got the red bandana ones the colored bandanas, and then the black and white figures. They're all virtually identical except for the the color palette of the bandanas or the black and white figures are completely painted black and white. And these are the... These arcade figures stand around five inches tall. They all have the same points of articulation. They've got ball-jointed waist or hips. The one thing that's cool is these knees, the knees on the characters actually have two joints in them. Oh, yeah. So you can really make some dynamic poses with them. Uh, Every figure comes with interchangeable, with a second set of interchangeable hands so you can do poses like my Michelangelo figure. I literally have him sitting down on a shelf. He, uh, I put an extra hand on him here so he's pointing at you. That's awesome. I love that. And if, and all of the figures' hands can interchange with, with each other. So if, you know, like Donatello had uh, had hands that were, like, doing karate chop motions here. <laughs> so I've got him saluting, basically. Oh, cool. If you wanted Leonardo to, to have those, you can put them on Leonardo and vice versa. They all, they all work. So um, they all have their signature weapons here. Here's the Leonardo figure. 
Leonardo and Donatello are the only ones that come with like the little weapon holders in the back. Oh, cool. I couldn't put Leonardo's swords in his uh, holsters on the back on the back of his uh, belt there, and I don't even want to try because I don't want to break anything. And it even comes with a fake pizza right here, you know. So, oh man, yeah, power up. Oh, right gets his extra lives. <laughs> That's pizza right. time. And then here's Donatello right here. So, oh man, he's got the bow staff that can go. That one can actually fit in the holster. So, so cool. The paint job on them is very much the sculpt. First off, the sculpt is nearly identical to the cartoons, to the '87 cartoon. Because that's what that game was based on. And I love the bandanas, how they go straight out, too. I thought that was really cool. Like the yeah, wind's the blowing ban- it. The bandana also is another point of articulation here. What? You can actually turn it right there. Oh, no so, way. Yeah, so if you want to make dynamic poses, you know, they're all standing in the wind, get them all facing the same direction, basically. <laughs> like a little rooftop. Get them up That's there. right. <laughs> so the sculpt is very, very similar to the 87 cartoon. But the paint job is where the video game, the arcade game aspect comes into play. Because it's actually, let's see if you, I don't know if you can see how well you can see it, but it is based on the, you know, the pixelated art form here. So, yeah, you can see it like kind of on the, the turtle shell and then, yo, big time, yeah. On the belts and everything, yeah. And you can see it on the chest areas and everything. Yeah, I love how big uh, Raph's size are. Yeah, Huge. they are enormous. Yeah. <laughs> So, that awesome. And that's another thing with the interchangeable hands. You can have them holding them by the blades, or you can have them holding by the by the hilt. Ooh. By the there. So this both hands here actually do the same thing, where he's holding it by the hilt of it right there. In the that would be his left hand, and his right hand he's holding it by the blade itself. Oh, I love that! I love that. They are very very durable. I don't play with these figures at all. I put them on the shelf and I just let them stand there because. Uh, I don't want to risk anything. You know these these are not cheap at all. I uh, <laughs> it cost me about a hundred and eighty five dollars to get them to get the whole box set of uh, four figures, and that was because for right now they're Comic Con exclusives. Right, right. So, and you know the guy that bought it, he's got to make some money. I understand. I asked my wife. I was like, "Can I get these?" She <laughs> says, "Yeah, sure." I was like, "I promise, I will not buy turtles anything." For at least another month. Because, That's going to be tough for you. That's going to be tough. Yeah. And it, and it will be. But you know what? I mean. It's worth it. It is worth it. You know, because. <laughs> and even the box itself. I don't usually care about the boxes or anything. But the box that it comes in, you got the four player select on the back. Oh, I love right that. Yeah, where it says press start. It's got the arcade, you know, artwork in air quotes here. Where you got the live action <laughs> Shredder and April that look crazy. You know. <laughs> She looks like a Cindy Crawford workout video. She does, know? yeah, she does, even though she's got the raincoat on. Oh, yeah, and but when you open it up, it's awesome right here. That's where the figures are, wow. and in the back is stage two with the alleyway with April. Yeah, in, on the it. TV. Oh, I love that. <laughs> April on the TV, but then on the bottom of it, you see the arcade handles and everything. Oh, I didn't see that one. Oh, yeah. wow. Got the cityscape, and you got uh, the color-coded buttons and everything. Oh, yeah. that is so cool. Yeah. And so there's two four-packs. There's one with the Ninja Turtles, and then the second four-pack is Shredder and three multicolored uh, foot soldiers. Mm-hmm. So I will not be getting that. All I wanted was the four turtles because that's 
primarily what I collect. I just get the four turtles themselves. Right. I am slowly collecting the uh, 87, or I guess it would be 88, the 88 action figure series. Mm-hmm. I have a bunch of those, but uh, no variants, just the figures themselves. Well, how many are there? Are, are you talking about like um, the original four turtles and the villains and everything? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna get very slowly. I'm I'm getting the uh, just working my way through every character. Like I'm looking from right now. In this case, I have a. I don't know how well you can see it, but this case right here. Ooh, I see the movie turtles on top of it. Yeah, I've got some of the. Tur- yeah, I've, I have no more space for them, so I just for right now that's where they're going. Inside the case, I got. The four turtles, which are not originals, those are actually reprints of the like the 25th anniversary uh, reprints of them. I've got the originals hanging up on a wall over here. Wow! Uh, but I've got Splinter, Usagi Ojimbo, Mona Lisa, Leatherhead, Casey Jones, the second uh, variant of April because I thought she just looked better. Right, uh, right. Ace Duck, Mondo Gecko, Metalhead. Now is this all from the '88 line? Yes. Yeah. Wow! Hey. Uh... Could you do me a favor and like make a list of all the ones that are in the 88 line so I could collect along with you? Oh, yeah. You know what? Let me show you this right now or tell you about this. I can't show you. But I've also got a Venus de Milo figure in there from the next mutation line. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, just because she's the fifth turtle. Deal with it. She's awesome. And you do have the shirt. And I do have a Venus shirt, yeah. <laughs> so take and that, Hoser Josh. Yeah, Jay Weezy, Jay if that is your real name. Jay Hoser. But like. She's just as skilled as the regular turtles, but then she has magic powers. You know, oh, yeah. come on. Oh, yeah. How do you beat that? You don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so if you want to figure out what turtles there are for any series, there is this website called TMNTToys.com. Oh, is that the museum and one? There's the Virtual Ninja Turtle Museum. Oh, I've been to that website. I, I didn't know they actually did them by year. Yes, they have on the home page, you've got every single series you've got, and they do tour reviews too. You've got the Ninja Turtles original line from 88 to 97. Then you've got the Next Mutation from 97 to 98, uh, the 2003 line, the Fast Forward 2006 line, the TMNT movie line, the Modern Turtles line, and then they have a non-Playmates toy lines, which Ooh. is like NECA, stuff like that. Um, Sweet. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes for that. That sounds awesome. Yeah, they've got literally every single Turtles toy for whatever series. Like, um, you know, the undercover Donatello and the Samurai Leonardo kind of undercover Turtles, the Universal Monster Turtles, the Turtle Trolls, the Star Trek Turtles. You know, any variation you can think of, they've got it at this website. Yeah, great website. I've, I've seen it before, but I never actually really dug deep into it. Yeah, it's it's really really cool. So awesome, awesome. Yeah, tmnttoys.com for all those that are interested. So so so, how many slices of pizza would you give the uh, NECA arcade turtles? You know, now that now that you have it, are there any com- complaints or is this totally worth it? Oh, it's completely worth it. Yeah, this is a ten out of ten for me because wow. the, I love the arcade game so much because that was the. I think that was like the second Turtles game I ever played, but it was the first one that I recognized as the Turtles. Because just like everybody else that grew up in Midwestern America that didn't know about the Mirage comics at all, when we looked at the NES box and saw the Turtles in all red bandanas, I thought we had a miss, uh, a screwed up looking 
box or screwed up. Oh yeah, if the you talk about the first Nintendo game. The I'm sorry, yeah, the first Nintendo game. They all had red bandanas, and it's just like, uh, did I get a a messed up cart? You know, just I don't know. But I mean, I recognized that was in Ninja Turtles, and then when the arcade game was ported to NES, I remember getting that for my birthday. Um. That was instantly just them busting through a brick wall on their skateboards, cowabunga, pizza, uh, <laughs> pizza hut coupons, a go-go. And yeah, just it was this just when I opened up the box, it just reminded me of the exact same feeling I have of looking at Donatello on screen in the burning building, somehow not dying of smoke inhalation. <laughs> Um, it just, I had the same feeling of nostalgia and this is a big, this is a big seller for people of our age, like late twenties, early thirties, maybe even early forties, wherever you, wherever you first uh, met the Ninja Turtles. Uh, my kids instantly just loved them because I mean, they recognized there's a Ninja Turtles and they played the arcade game with me. Um, and they just thought they looked cool. Oh, that's awesome. And my kids cannot get over the fact that I just put them on a shelf and look at them. <laughs> <laughs> that that be tough. Uh, when I was a kid, man, I had to, I had to break them out. It's tough. It it really is. But uh... oh yeah, no, I'm not. I don't I mean I can't stand it when people are like, I have this toy that I really love. I'm gonna keep it in the box forever. It's like, well, you know, you're never gonna sell it. I know that that's me. That's me. Uh, I like sometimes the only reason I keep them in the box is because I like the box art. Most yeah. of the time, and but I, I don't think I'll ever sell these. I mean, I'm just going to give them to my son uh, one day, and um, it was kind of cool. As a matter of fact, we we finally graduated. My uh, my son Grayson, co-host of Turtle Tracks, <laughs> uh, we finally um, he graduated from this little bloom where we would give him a bath in the in the sink and stuff to mm-hmm. an actual the actual bathtub, and we had his you know little toys and everything. And I said, son. I'm gonna give you your first Ninja Turtle, and it was the um, oh. it was the sewer, the sewer squirting one, um, the Raphael one. Oh yeah, the sewer spitting. Sewer turtles, sewer yeah. spin, yes, and mm-hmm. uh, it works. I tried it out. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, and of course, he didn't you know what to do with it. Put in water? No. Yeah. <laughs> it diminished its sale value. Oh, oh yeah. Shut up! I'm not selling it. <laughs> I'm not selling it. It's his toy. <laughs> the only ones that I have in box still are the original four turtles that from that first run of figures in the '80s. Mm-hmm. I have the four of those hung up on a wall, and you know what? They were unpunched too, and I took the oh, punch wow. out so I could hang them. You know, because I don't care. They're not mint. I mean, they've got an open. Every one of them has a small opening on the bottom of the yeah. little plastic bubble that they're in. Right. It's just like, and you just open them up, play with your stuff, enjoy your stuff. I mean, like the the black and white turtles that I have here. These came in a box very similar to the arcade. Uh, to the arcade figures with all this amazing Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird art from the first issue all over the box. And I took them out of the box and about a week later, cause I didn't want to throw it away. But so what I did was I cut the box up and cut all of the, uh, all of the artwork out and cleaned it and like, you know, shaved off the excess cardboard and everything. And I hung it, hung it up on the wall to make kind of like a diorama here. Yeah. Yeah. And just, Put the figures in front of it. Yeah. And, you know, it's really, it, it was a lot of fun doing that. And I, I'll probably do something very similar with this one. Actually, I probably won't because my, th- talking about babies, my son Isaac just, he loves this box. You know, <laughs> he just, 
He's sitting there walking on it and sitting on it, and yay! <laughs> so he had so much fun just hanging out with the box. That's like, cool. Go ahead. Go ahead. Have fun. That's what it's all about. It, yeah, it is. Yeah, it's it's all about just finding out. I mean, but if, like, if, like, keeping it in the box and, like, keeping it sterile or anything like that, whatever you do with it, if that's what if that's your thing, more power to oh, you. Oh, yeah, if that's what makes you that's happy, absolutely. Yeah. I just like having them out and posing them and, like... That's what makes you happy. That's what makes me yeah, happy. Yeah, it's like I have, like, a couple of shelves up here, and every now and then I, I just switch them out just to have them just have something different to look at. Mm-hmm. And I'll have all the Leonardos on one shelf and all the Michelangelos that can fit on the shelf on there just so you can <laughs> kind of, like, see the evolution of them or whatever you want to say. Well, see, your, your, uh, your room is beautifully organized see mine right now it's just like okay i can fit a turtle over here in this this corner of this desk i can put one on top of these video games over here but i, I can't wait till I, I move into a new place and uh just kind of reorganize my turtle collection because right now it is scattered yeah well you know like the uh the i also have a couple things that just i have no room for so they're just on top of my uh on top of my dresser like i've got the four giant 13 inch ninja turtles i got four of them just staring at my bed which is weird at one in the morning (laughs) um and i've got nickelodeon put out last year the uh, i think it was called the evolution of leonardo oh yeah yep i've got that one it's got like nine different leonardos on it Mm -hmm. one two three eight i was one off they have eight different leonardos on there i love that yeah i think towards toys r us sold those yeah i got mine on amazon um that's how I get my turtle stuff is very rarely do I get something from eBay, which I just don't trust eBay. But, like, uh, Nicole is just like, you can get the figures so much cheaper on eBay because you've really got to look for cheap figures on Amazon. Right. And there's no guarantee, you know, because if you're going to get an old figure on Amazon Prime, you're going to pay, like, two or three times what it's actually worth. Right, right. You know, like... Like, I've told this story before. I have a Muckman figure that I found on Amazon. It was $85. Well, that wow. figure's worth 30 Was it in box? Or? Yeah, it okay. was in box. And I just put it on the wish list and just waited. And for, I think, like four or five months later, I found another one on Amazon. in Not in box, but with all the accessories. Uh, and it was worth 40 Or it, it was, they were selling it for 40 So I bought it. It's like $10. <laughs> It's like $10 more than it's actually worth, but, you know, whatever. Yeah, how often do you come across one, you know? Exactly, and and there are a few figures, like, I don't care about accessories for right. the most part, but there's a few figures that you have to get with the accessories, like Muckman and Joe Eyeball with the trash can on the back, uh, Baxter Stockman with the mandibles and the wings and everything. Yeah, yeah. You've got, you've got to, uh, like, uh, Scumbug, he's got tubes that go into, come out of his chest and go into his backpack. <laughs> to power his gun that he fires, you know you need the accessories on that. Krang and the Walker with all with the arms and everything, you need the accessories on it. Oh yeah, you know and and sometimes it's just it. Sometimes it's a lot cheaper to just get them out of box, whatever. And nine times out of ten, my experience buying loose figures has been a pretty good experience. Like the people selling it are I make sure to buy them from like toy stores or collectible stores mm-hmm. not just like on eBay you can get it from some dude that kept it in a shoebox in his basement yeah <laughs> on Amazon 9 times out of 10 you're going to get it from a toy store that keeps it in a case and just will sell it online if he doesn't sell it in the store you know right so 
it's a lot of things. I mean, back, anyway, I'm getting off topic. I'm sorry. Back to these arcade figures. These are well worth the price. I'm not. I'm. I'm pretty uh, certain that you're going to be able to buy these on Amazon. And you can buy them on Amazon right now. Like as soon as I bought them, I paid 180 something, maybe 190 with shipping. And like the day after I bought them, I found them on Amazon Prime for relatively the same price. Oh wow! So the difference being, I had to wait five days to get these, where I could have waited two. So if you're impatient, get it on Amazon Prime, <laughs> or I would imagine by late this year, like probably around Christmas time or maybe early next year, they're going to start selling these. Um, so, yeah. yeah, so I would imagine if you want to wait or if you just want to save up some money, you're going to be able to find them. You're going to be able to, I mean, I found them on eBay. I found them on Etsy. I found them on Amazon. You can find them someplace. Very cool, man. Very cool. I am officially jealous. Yeah, well, that's never my intention. Oh, I know, I know. I Doesn't know. mean I don't like hearing it sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> that's sweet. Well, um, before we get started in today's comic, which is a big one, this is definitely an interesting comic to talk about. Oh, this was the longest month waiting for an issue. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, there was a heck of a buildup, and we have a little bet we're going to talk about here in a minute. I wanted to ask you, do you know specifically when TMNT Universe comes out? Because I know it's coming out in August. Oh, what day you mean? Yeah, do you do you know when it comes out? Because I'm not quite sure. I know at the no, end of I, issue I, 60, it says it's coming next month. It says TMNT Universe issue 1, uh, and then, of course, yeah. Amazing Adventures comes out here in a couple weeks. I, I honestly don't know. Um, I've got, I mean, I get notifications from the Comixology Turtles app. Yeah. So, I mean, sometime this month. I, I thought it was next month, honestly. Ooh. Um, in September. It's September? probably August. Well, I guess, well, see, when when did issue 60 come out? Was it late late July? Late July. Or? Like, I think it was, what what day is it right now? It's Today the is seventh. the 7th, yeah. I think it was, two, well, now two weeks ago. It was, Oh, it was uh, the, 20, the 27th was when it came out. Ooh, so, so the last couple of days of July. Right. So this might be considered the August issue. I, I, I'm not sure. Uh, the issue 60, if, if that's the case, then it's... September uh, before we get yeah I don't know if it came out on the 27th on digital only mm-hmm. or if it came out uh, on in print and yeah. digital on the same day because usually the the selling point of getting comics digitally is you'll get them like the week a little earlier. bit earlier yeah, yeah. Well, alright man well speaking of the comic you want to get into it alright let's do it let's do it hello violators you're in Casey's comic classroom prepare to be screwed Okay, so ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome back to another episode of Turtle Flakes Presents the IDW Mutation Station with Uncle Rob and Uncle Josh. <laughs> I feel like we need to be like sitting by a fire, you know, with our pipes and everything discussing these comics. <laughs> welcome to Masterpiece Theater, yeah. right here. So- Hello. <laughs> uh, so we, well, now we got, we got a big one here. Um, uh, and just to set things up, uh, the last issue of the IDW comics... Kitsune looked like she was going to kill Splinter. And you were convinced that Splinter's dead. Uh, Let me tell you about a man with conviction. (laughs) Go ahead. They go out in a blaze of glory. So (laughs) (laughs) next week's going to be real interesting, I think. Oh, (laughs) yes. Oh, yes. Uh, Well, see, I wasn't so sure. Like, I thought in issue 50... Spoiler mm-hmm. alert right here. Um, I think that was the issue where Shredder was killed, correct? Was Shredder that dies in issue 50, yeah. Okay, yeah. So 
you know, that that's 50-some 50, 50 issues. That's a milestone right there. And my only reasoning was, you know, in your defense, Josh, it did mm-hmm. look like Splinter got it. It, it, it yeah. did. I mean, it looks very, very clear-cut that he's dead. And so I, I was like, oh, boy, it looks like it. But I was like, would they do that this quickly? You know, just 10 issues after uh, Shredder's killed, killing Splinter off as well. I do think it's going to happen. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I did think it was going to happen, but I didn't think it would happen this soon. So I was definitely convicted about this as well, man. I, I didn't really know uh, what was going to go on. Yeah, so issue 60, I remember the last episode that we did the Mutation Station. I was just thinking, man, if this thing starts with a flashback, I'm done with the book. <laughs> That's exactly what it starts with. And it starts off with a flashback. Well, it starts off with a myth, a folktale of a hunter uh, who shoots a fox with an arrow. And that fox limps away. And as this dude's riding home on horseback, this is like within feudal Japan era kind of a thing. He's riding home, and that fox that he tried shooting, that he did shoot, books past him on his horse and carrying in its mouth a, uh, a torch. And he, it runs into this dude's village and burns his house down. Yeah. <laughs> and then when the, while it's burning the house down, it turns into Kitsune turns into a human and it's just all about how you know basically the folktale is there are a certain amount of people in the world that deserve a lot of leave alone <laughs> and if you've ever been in a fight you're going to know that there's just some people that you don't beat and yeah. Kitsune is one of those people she'll always find a way um, to get the upper hand yeah exactly and the issue then that's like two pages long like page three is when the issue really starts out and you see Kitsune stab Splinter. Yeah, and uh, let, uh, can we talk about that stab right now? Because look how deep it's into his chest. I mean, it's it's in there pretty deep. It's mid-blade, yeah, but then you realize later on, and I, God, I hated this part of the book. <laughs> I know, as soon as I read this, uh, as soon as I, read this uh, I, I thought of you. I was like, ooh, this is kind of, uh, well. This is, oh, I'm sorry. I love this series, but this is kind of cheap. <laughs> This really is, and it's just because, like, the blade, like, goes halfway, half of the blade's in his chest, or so you think. Right. You realize that only, like, basically just, like, a third of the blades, which, still. I'm looking at certain panels right now. Like, there's one of him laying down, and it looks like oh, yeah, the, the blade's in him. He's grabbing onto the handle. Yeah, it looks like the whole, like the whole thing's, in, thing's in him. Yeah. But he pulls the blade out, and Leonardo helps Splinter up, and he's like, I told you, wear your Kevlar. It's a good thing you listen to me. So was and he wearing it? Was he wearing? Is that the case? He's wearing a Kevlar vest. And if that were the case, okay, fine, no problem. He's being smart. He's trying to ward off assassination attempts. Wearing a Kevlar vest under his robe. But when Leonardo's walk, helping him walk, his vest is open. His uh, his robe is open, kind of like this. Yeah. And I'm showing off my hoodie that I'm wearing, listeners. <laughs> His his robe is open, and you can see his chest, and there's no Kevlar. That's vest what confused on. me. I was like, was he wearing it or wasn't he? Yeah, and it's like, well, it's it's one of the, what it is is it's one of those comic book explanations that doesn't exist in the real world, where like there's a Kevlar weave within the think of the Black Panther costume. He's got a vibranium mesh uh, suit that yeah. can deflect knives and bullets and whatever's. One of those dumb comic book things that could never uh, happen in the real world, 
because Kevlar doesn't exactly weave well with polyester. It just it doesn't work. But comic books about mutant teenage turtles. <laughs> I guess we're not looking for realism, are we? <laughs> There's a little bit of levity that you have to have. That's you know? true. That's true. I was just kind of disappointed, but the issue is so good that that's like the only hiccup that I can think of. I, I agree with that. Um, I was a little um, – I wouldn't say disappointed because I was happy Splinter was still alive, but I, was, oh, I, yeah. felt, I felt a little cheated. You know, I was like, oh, man, that's, that seemed like the easy way out. But it, it makes sense. I mean, you know, you want to keep this series going for quite a while. Uh, so I, I was okay with that. And then uh, we get, a, you know, just a little snippet of Alapex, who's still under Katsune's control, facing mm. off with Jenica. So finally we get the fight that we were looking for in the last issue because of the cover. Um, yeah. So we, we get yeah. that. And then the turtles, they start fighting Kitsune. So it cuts back over to the turtles. And before long, Kitsune is taking control of uh, Raphael and Michelangelo. And you kind of see Almost her eyes glow. Immediately. Yeah. 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 Almost immediately. She just looks at Michelangelo and is like, nope, you're mine. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the same thing with Raphael. Now, I, I wonder if there's a reason for that. Do you, why those two? Is it because and why not Donatello? Was it because Donnie? Well, is maybe well Donatello's not there yet. Oh, Donatello, that's right. He's still at the uh, at Burnout Island with Fugitoid. That's right. That's and right. he actually teleports there. I mean, he says he's going to. I'll be there uh, in a few minutes, and he's about ten minutes late to this whole thing, and. Uh, he pops in right in the middle of the battle, but we'll get there. But I think she, I honestly, I think she hypnotizes uh, Michelangelo and Raphael purely because they were the closest ones. Michelangelo because he was the first one to attack her, um, and just because they were the closest ones to him. And she's like, "Okay, go ahead and kill for me." Yeah. You know what? <laughs> yeah, and then they just kind of turn right around and they're attacking uh, Leo and Splinter, and Leo yeah. just goes, "Oh crap." And oh, and the splinter yeah. goes, indeed. Which is pretty cool. And, you know, I had heard a description of this issue before I downloaded it where it was like turtles are fighting each other because of basically that um, they're fighting each other, but it didn't mention that Kitsune was controlling them. So I was like, did she turn one of them somehow? See, if I'd have heard that, I would have thought, you know, it might have been like Splinter did die. You know, one of the turtles didn't save them in time, and then they start turning on each other then. Or I, That's yeah, what I would have thought. Why did you protect them? Right, exactly. Exactly. Which that sounds like a classic Leonardo Raphael fight right there. It's like, mm. why didn't you do something? Well, why didn't you? Blah, blah, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah, you and that'd be the point of contention for, you know, issues and issues. Uh, yeah, and then we get Alpex and Jenica again fighting in a pretty good uh, little fight here. Well, you know what? Jenica's actually not trying to fight. She's She doesn't want to hurt Alpex. Right, she's, she's trying to talk some sense into her. Yeah, not that, like, her and Alpex are friends, but that's a, that's a fellow clansman. So yeah. it's... The honorable thing to do is to try and talk sense in the uh, Alapex, which really shows you a lot into, I think, Jenica's character because she's an assassin. She is like a cold-blooded assassin mm -hmm. that Kitsune actually calls out uh, relatively early in the issue. She's like, you know, everybody, they start mentioning the fact that everybody has sins. Yeah. It's like, no matter who you are, you have sin, and you will... Question, you will, not question it, but you will uh, pay for it sometime. No matter what, you will pay for what you've done. And Splinter has a great line where it's like, yeah, everybody is sin, but not everybody is, um, 
I think he says like not not everyone is guilty. Uh, like everybody's done something wrong, but not everybody's punishable for it. Right, right. right. I can't hold on one second. I'm just gonna go straight to it because I'm butchering that line, and it's a really cool line. Yeah, Kitsune. Let's see. Oh, he says not all, but not all are, uh, not all are to blame for their guilt. Hmm. So it's like sometimes just things happen. Like yeah. she was raised to be an assassin. That's what she knows, and now she realizes she's been living the wrong way. Right, so. right. You're talking about Jenica. Yes. Yeah. yeah sorry, yeah. Jenica. Yeah. But anyway, you know that, that's something. I'm, that's interesting. You bring that up. I never even noticed that when I read this. But that I like that, and maybe, maybe that's why Splinter kind of took her in because he realizes, you know, she was born and raised. This is all she's ever known. But she can be. She can change. You know, and and be a valuable asset to the Foot Clan. You know, a, a good honorable Foot Clan. Yeah, it's it's kind of like one of the things that I like about Splinter is like he's not just like necessarily willing to just accept anyone because like just. Some characters that are like the quote old wise men, you know, where they just believe that there's good in everybody. Splinter is smart enough to understand that no, some people are just scoundrels, man. Yeah. And it's kind of like Old Hob with him. Is like Old Hob has his useful points. He has used to us sometimes, but I can trust him about as far as I throw him. Really? You know? so, okay. So, so you you don't think? Now let me ask you this: Do you think Old mm-hmm. Hob is a good? person overall or do you think even though he's fought along with the turtles eventually he's going to turn against them again i don't think that he's going to necessarily turn against them i think old hob is a good person underneath layers and layers and layers of bad experience yeah see that that's how i feel about him so he's always he is to the point to where like no matter what he's going to look out for himself At, at the end of the day like, yeah, he came to Michelangelo's aid when he was fighting Hun. You know, he's willing to die for the Mutanimals. But if, like, let's say Slash, like, double-crossed him, he'd never forgive him. Uh, you know, like, true. He's like, I never thought this would have happened. Heck with you, man. Yeah. We're done, you know? Like, next time I see you, I'm going to have a gun in my hands. <laughs> and, and that is one thing I kind of like about Old Hob, is I'm slowly turning turning around on Old Hob. <laughs> That, that's I still a lot hate for you. the guy. That's a lot for you. Yeah, I still hate the guy just because. Oh, you're just a, you're just a jerk. <laughs> but um, he he is a guy that just like he knows what he is, makes no apologies for it. And if you if you cross him, you're done. You're just the next time he sees you, one of you is gonna die. Right. He just kind of writes you off. You know. Okay. Yeah. And I really like that. But like for whatever reason, with Michelangelo, he seems to take a shine to Michelangelo. He's right. kind of like, you know, just you're kind of what I used to be. You're just like the young, idealistic mm-hmm. rookie, basically. I really, I like that. Yeah, me too. But yeah, but anyway, with Splinter, like he kind of is smart enough to not to not to think that there's goodness in everybody, but he realizes he knows the ones that are worth saving. Absolutely. So that's what I. And that's you know why he's so forgiving of Jenica trying to. Uh, kill him because he probably just took a look at her and was like this person's doing the wrong thing because of just years of being forced forced fed that notion that no she's a killer yeah. deal with it right you know? no, so exactly yeah right. I really I that's what I like about Splinter is like he is the actual wise man who is like I realize what is a waste of time and I realize what isn't that's what I like 
Yeah, so and then we get this interesting kind of cutaway from the action uh, with Jenica and Alapex to April in the library, and this is where the Pantheon, uh, we start seeing you know some other people within the Pantheon play a, a very, very interesting part in this comic. Now, how do you say this guy's name? Is it Aka or? Aka, I think. Aka? Okay, yeah. I, I, that sounds right. That sounds like the easiest thing for me to say. Like, that's Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, but I, I can't remember exactly what he says here. He uh, says he gives her that um, feather, but I can't remember what was significant about it. The the feather is some kind of a weapon. I don't really know. Um, now I can't find the page. Okay, here we are. Uh, April this whole time has been studying this scroll from the Pantheon that I guess it's kind of like it's very important to the Foot Clan. Uh, so. Uh, it's the uh, basically. I think the feather is kind of like she has to have the feather in her possession and say a magic uh, spell or something like that. Basically, she says the Green Lantern oath. And um, <laughs> now, is he related like, to Kitsune, or are they just within the same yes, pantheon? Yeah, okay. that, that's Akka's a sister, the older sister of Kitsune. Oh, uh, Akka's uh, a girl. Yes. Oh, my bad. Yeah. <laughs> I thought she's an old man. I know, hair. right? Yeah. Yeah, Racking is the older brother. And ah. He's older still. Um, but like Aka makes a gives her the feather. It's kind of like you have to use this feather and say this uh, cantation. So it's kind of like the feather is a magic wand, and then she has to say the spell and point it. You know, it's kind of like it's kind of if you're a Harry Potter fan, which I am not, but uh, you it, the it's a combination of the magic wand and the spell that you're saying. And it's kind of like the spell is the ammunition and the wand is aiming your right. spell someplace. But uh, she talks about, Akka here is uh, talking about how she's intervening and she never intervenes in anyone's affair because she's kind of like neutral in this whole bid for power between the immortals and the turtles or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he says, you know, your friends need your help. Here, take this feather. I'm out. And (laughs) so then April shows up to the fight. And by this time, Donatello shows up and just is instantly mind wiped by Kitsune. And you got a pretty cool fight between Donatello and Splinter. Yeah. And it kills Splinter to have to fight, you know? Yeah. He, I don't know how much (laughs) I just instantly for just a second. I just wondered if like Donatello is like his least favorite son because (laughs) Because, like, if you look at him, because he fights uh, Raphael and Michelangelo, and he does, like, the Vulcan nerve pinch. Yeah, knocks them both out. And they're just, they're out, you know? But, like, when Donatello fights him, he disarms them and knocks them onto the ground and then does a rear naked chokehold on them. (laughs) Just like, you're being a little bit more aggressive towards Donatello. He's like, it hurts you more than it hurts me. I've been choked out. That hurts. Oh, hurts. Lord. Who choked you out? When I was in the Army, we, oh. uh, uh, during uh, hand-to-hand combat training, Oh Lord. Um, everybody has to. It's just like one of the things so you can know what it feels like. Oh, wow. And, um, well, it doesn't feel good, huh? It, it's not my favorite thing. <laughs> it's like, believe it or not, I can, it's a, you know, I can take it or leave it. <laughs> it's like eating Hawaiian pizza. It's not my favorite. I don't really want it. Right, but, you know, if it's... Yeah. All that's there. Depending on who's serving, whatever, you know. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I just kind of thought, just for an instance, kind of like, I don't think Splinter likes Donatello Yeah, he, he didn't let up on him as much, yeah. He did not. No. no. And then Alpex is uh, beating up um, 
Jenica, pretty bad here. Uh, and then Leonardo confronts Alapex. And mm-hmm. I love this the scene because Alpex is still under control um, of Kits- or under Kitsune's control, and Leonardo's, Leonardo's trying to talk some sense in order and say, "Hey, look, you don't want to do that. This isn't who you are." And for a split second, Alpex snaps out of it, and she's like, "Leo?" Yeah. And then Kitsune gets back and and actually tells Kitsune that Leonardo is a bear, yeah, you know, and it actually shows that. And of course, she attacks Leo at this point, and Leo. Kind of makes short work of her. Uh, I thought, you know, yeah. to be honest with you, I for a split second, I thought that he broke her neck. No, oh, yeah, you, you know what? Because like she she runs past Leo, ducks to the side, and elbows the back of her neck, and there's yeah. a little you know that says like chalk, like almost like a bone breaking, mm-hmm. and then she just falls limp on the on the ground, and I'm like, did he just kill her? And uh, of course, yeah, later on, <laughs> say what? He didn't like her either. So. <laughs> Apparently, he didn't like her either. You know what? You don't have a toy. You're out. Bam. Yeah, you're done. You're done. And then, um, so we go back to uh, the confrontation between Kitsune and Splinter, and that's mm-hmm. when April shows up. Yeah, and she's got her feather. And and at this point, I was like, when I first read this, I was like, oh, is this gonna be? I I thought this would be a longer storyline. Because I was yeah. like, wait, she's already there? You know, I, I thought this would be... I didn't even think there would be a confrontation between April and Kitsune until the next issue. But mm-hmm. but she shows up right in the middle of the battle, and uh, she... What does she do? I've, I've not read this in a couple well, of she's got days. Well, she's got the feather, and she points it at her, and she says this incantation that says, Powers of creation, masters of all, hear, hear my lamentations, heed my call. Restore eternity's balance, turn wrong into right, End the day's malice, cast darkness into light. Mm. And just Kitsune is, I told you, it's the Green Lantern or Oath. You know, yeah. uh, Kitsune, Kitsune is just bathed in this white light and it nullifies her powers. And so she turns into a fox and just beats feet out of there. Mm-hmm. And so everyone's broken from this spell and everyone wakes up and. and <laughs> <laughs> Donna, or Leonardo's like, April, how'd you do that? And she's like, I have no idea. <laughs> and Splinter calls it white magic. And then Akka shows up just sitting in the background, just watching. And she's Nobody knows she's there. Yeah. And she's watching everything going on. And then the racking shows up right behind. Yeah. And the racking, he says, uh, beloved sister, uh, not so neutral after all, are you? Oh. And, she says, it, uh, it, is as ki- it is as Kitsune said, my brother, none are innocent. So mm. she's like, so she broke her oath of neutrality or whatever it was yeah. and helped out the turtles. So because I, even she knows Kitsune is just bad news. I just wonder what, what's the racking going to do? You know, because right now we've not seen him in action hardly at all. What's he no. going to do? You know, is, is, is he neutral as well? No, uh, he's not. He's, I don't think so. I mean, look at him. Yeah, I know. Right? <laughs> Somebody that ugly's got to be a bad guy. I know he looks. <laughs> oh, he looks so evil. But like, he's very much an antagonist towards the turtles. Like the whole reason, like Splinter and Leonardo weren't taken over by Kitsune, is because way back in like issue, like before City Fall, uh, Leonardo and Splinter were both taken over by Rat King, and they were able to mentally fight him off. So they're not immune to the 
to the manipulation and mind manipulation by Kitsune, but they know how to fight it. Yeah. So the whole time they were just fighting off mentally the projections from Kitsune to uh, keep her from taking over their bodies. Well, what I'm what I'm just interested in is what if? Okay, so you got three of them in the in this pantheon right now. Mm-hmm. What if Kitsune is the weakest one? You know, like they're they're kind of seeing the the youngest one, see how she fares with the turtles, and the Rat King's like, okay, well, watch watch and see what I can do. You know, later on. Yeah. Yeah, you definitely do get that. Like, Rat King is just, like, he's just toying with everyone because, like, even during the April and Casey uh, storyline, which featured Akka and the other Pantheon characters very heavily, um, the whole reason Casey Jones is really just messed up right now and just becoming a, a more and more hardcore vigilante is because of what Rat King showed him. Is because, like, if I remember correctly, Racking showed him the fact that the fact that he calmed down on crime, basically, because he was happy and settled down with uh, April, that is going to lead to the turtles and April's death. Yeah. So it's like, no, I will not let any crime happen anywhere in this neighborhood specifically. And that's why he's going crazy on people that are, like, littering or jaywalking or just purse snatching. It's like, (laughs) Going going harder on people that, that is necessary. Yeah, know? yeah. Um, and that's what is putting the wedge in between April and Casey right now. And then um, Kitsune, she does make it to the helicopter, and uh, we don't really know what happened to Alapex. Alapex took off, so she's not she's dead. Out. Yeah, she's yeah. out. So I, I wonder if that, that's it for her for a while, if we won't see her because she's kind of ashamed of what's happened. So that, that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And uh, Yeah. Uh, so she has... What we think is Shredder's head, and oh, I'm God, thinking, I love this. I love this twist so much. I was just, this was good. This was good. Oh, you know what? You, you go ahead and explain it for us. Okay, so um, Kitsune's whole plan was to take Shredder's dead body and his decapitated head, and because we've seen how right I've been about the story so far, I thought that she was. <laughs> I think she's going to try and resurrect Shredder. Um, and you've been right this whole time. They, there is something uh, deep between these two because she calls him her, her uh, beloved, her mm-hmm. dragon warrior. You know, there there is uh, some feelings there between these two. And anyway, she gets on a helicopter. They're airborne. They're out of there. And she's got Shredder's body, and she opens up this box that she thought had the head in it. And unbeknownst to her, Splinter switched the head for just the helmet that Shredder wore. <laughs> and I don't know how he she, leaves just the helmet in there. <laughs> yeah, and he says, she says, well played, Hamada Yoshi. Well played indeed. And then the last panel shows Splinter with Shredder's uh, skull in yeah. his hand. Almost like he's about to say, to be or not to be. You know, it's yeah. just the way he looks at it. <laughs> I thought that this was kind of weird because somehow this skull with no skin on it has a full, full head, head of hair. <laughs> like, how do, I mean, even the ponytail and everything's still there. It's like, how, what? All good, right, good for, good for you. Good for you. <laughs> he he really did a lot of scalp care. You he know? did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so here you, you see, and I love it. It kind of goes back to the last issue where um, Splinter and Kitsune had that back and forth, you know, in who's playing who. Yeah. So even though it, it seemed that Kitsune had had the upper hand, um, Splinter pretty much ruined her plan from the from the outset, even before their confrontation, uh, yeah. because he had he had 
taken the head. He knew all along what Kitsune was going to do, or else he wouldn't have done that. I love, I love that little back and forth. Yeah. But he, here's the thing. Here's the only thing that really kind of bothers me about this particular issue, or at least the story arc. Yeah. It just felt so quick. You know, we only got two episodes or two issues with this Kitsune line. I, I, I thought, I don't know. I, I thought more things would be at stake here. And even with the Leatherhead uh, storyline, I think that was at least three issues. And this one just yeah. seemed to fly by because we had such a long buildup with, with Kitsune and what her agenda was. And within two issues, it, it's over. Or at least she's been foiled so far. Well, you know, I mean, the the kind of cool thing about it is, like, if you've been sticking with this series since the beginning, like, so many, I mean, I came into this series two years ago um, with City Fall. If you've been sticking with this series since it came out in 2011, I think, um, what you're seeing now is the payoff of 60 issues of Kitsune quietly planning something. Yeah. I mean, maybe she planned uh, for Shredder dying. Maybe she knew that if Shredder ever fought Hamada Yoshi, he would die. You know, and then she'd resurrect him and to be this player that maybe she could manipulate completely. Um, who knows what it is. But then just like in real life, I mean, because nothing ever goes as planned. Yeah. <laughs> just like in real life, oh man, I messed up. Yeah, <laughs> <You know? laughs> big time. So maybe that's what it is, but um, it is kind of... The only letdown that I have is not because I was wrong, but not uh, the only letdown I have is that I thought Shredder was going to die, and I, mean, I was convinced. You Splinter for the, for the or Splinter. I'm sorry, I, I was convinced Splinter was going to die. Yeah, and and betting and uh, joking and you know podcasting aside, I genuinely thought Splinter was going to die, and I was. I hope this doesn't sound masochistic, but I was kind of excited to see what would happen. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because we'd never seen that before. Because, honestly, how many how many of us have read Volume 4? Yeah. And on top of which, I, I haven't read the issue, but I know Splinter dies of a heart attack. He mm -hmm. dies of natural causes. Natural causes. So that is something that is, that's a good way for him to go. What if he went out violently? What would that do to the turtles? And I was really excited to see that. And or I was excitedly hoping that that's where they were going to go. Not to say that they won't in the future. I do think that'll happen. I, I don't think it'll be of natural causes. I do think, I'd say before issue 100 or maybe that particular issue, something will happen to Splinter. I do think he will be killed. Uh yeah. And then it'll be interesting to see how the trolls respond. I mean, that's that's just the way I I don't know. And I wonder if it'll, it'll be by accident or you know if a villain ends up getting them. It, it it's hard to say, but I do believe that it will happen. Yeah, you know, or what if like it's something that I mean, if I were to write no, again, I'm sorry, but if I were to write the series, sorry to any writers that might be listening. I I know this is kind of like one of the most pretentious things you could do, but like if I were to write, <laughs> If I were to write the series, what if one of the turtles accidentally kills Splinter? That's what I was thinking, and it, how would they respond? You know? Yeah, it was just like you know, would Le say it would it would have to be like Leonardo or something that accidentally kills him. It's just like you know, Raphael is just like, nope, you're done. I'm taking over. Yeah, you know, kind of a thing. <laughs> and then now you've got this really violent team of Ninja Turtles that's just j completely jaded over losing their father. Yeah, 
and exiling their brother kind of a thing. The thing is, my, my whole thing that I'm really wor- or not worried but wondering about is what is Michelangelo going to do? Because he's out on his own for the majority of this uh, series. He's living on his own. And he does not want to be affiliated with the Turtles at all as long as they're members of the Foot Clan. And that that's that's the story aspect that interests me because like there is a point when you break away from your own family to do your own thing. Usually it has nothing to do with ninja clans, but like <laughs> I mean you know, you get a job, you move to a new town or another state, you know, you you break away from your family mold for yeah. whatever reason. And uh Again, I know it happens in the fourth volume because Peter Laird literally thought of everything. <laughs> you haven't seen a lot of that from the Turtles. You haven't seen the growing up aspect. I mean, yeah, we all know they're Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but really what happens in your teenage years is you kind of start to very slowly mold what your 20s is going to be like. Very true. In my opinion, you spend a decade of your life preparing for the next decade. Yeah. <laughs> that's you know, funny you mentioned that, but that's a good point, man. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, it makes you wonder, and it makes you wonder if Michelangelo might be a leader one day in whatever he chooses to do, or yeah. you know, will it be as simple as, oh, you know what, I finally understand what my my dad, what what Splinter was trying to do, and uh, you know what, I'm cool with it now. You know, uh, is is he going to go back? It's hard to say. So th- there's definitely there's definitely that kind of storyline floating out there too. So th- there's a lot going yeah. on. I mean, IDW full credit to those guys because. Um, Tom Waltz, Bobby Curnell, all the writers, yeah. they they have created this foundation that has so many different facets to it that there's so many different storylines you could go. No wonder they're, what is it, uh, over 100 issues in, you know, as far as the writing process goes. Yeah, there's so yeah. many different things you could focus on now, and this is only issue 60. So, you know, kudos to those guys. Uh, they have just just created probably... My favorite volume so far, besides maybe the the original, it, it's it's hard to say, but yeah, I mean, this is very much a complex. Oh, um, big time! It, and, but you know what? I mean, like every almost every issue, at least since we've been doing the uh, Mutation Station podcast, we've always had one consistent complaint, where it's just like, and I use the word complaint very very lightly. Uh, it's just it's so dialogue heavy, and not a lot of action happens. But then when you think back over the entire course of the IDW storyline, because I've read, I'd have to say I've read about 70% of it, you know, just, um, but what do you think about? You think about the fact that Casey Jones and Hunt had this big street brawl between the two of them. You think about the City Fall storyline where Shredder manipulated Leonardo to fight his family. Yeah. Think about... uh, Splinter and the Turtles being an experiment at TCRI. You you think about the big moments, and there's a. I mean, you think about the tournament between the Turtles and the Foot Clan, and which could be very reminiscent of the Battle Nexus tournament. Mm-hmm. You know, you you think about things like that, where it is it it is just a jaw dropping moment. Yeah, you know, just I could never have uh, written this in. in in a million years, I could not have written something as complex and rewarding as this as this series. Well, you know, because yeah, it's a lot. It's very much like real life. It's like you don't remember the slow moments in between. You remember kind of the bigger things there. Yeah, you, yeah. And you I would take I would take dialogue over action 
any day. You know, if, if you've got a story that, that is good, that can open up so many different possibilities, or you're exploring territories that have never been explored before, I'll take yeah. that over the, uh, the monster of the month, you know, any, any day of the week, you know, and I, I love that. And I think that's where this series really kind of excels. And, you, you know, you hit the nail on the head. There's so many different story arcs that have already happened that were, were huge and had never happened before. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I really, I've always liked what IDW's done here. And um, so let's talk about this particular issue. How many slices of pizza would you give it? I would give, honestly, I would give this one a nine. This is a really cool issue. Uh, the only thing that like keeps it from a 10 is just kind of the, the weird kind of storytelling decisions and just the fact that I think the turtles are a big deal. And I just kind of, it kind of sucks. I know why it happened, but it kind of sucks when you just see them just like, nope, you're taken out. Just you done. <laughs> I know that basically they're fighting a god. And yeah, yeah that's probably what would happen. God's just going to flick a finger and you're going to fly across the room. <laughs> Uh, but it just I am just kind of tired of seeing the turtles have their butts handed to them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I I probably go with I probably go with an eight just because I thought um, I did like the ending. I did like how Splinter yeah. in the end had pretty much outsmarted Kitsune, and we didn't even know that till the very last panel. Yeah, uh, I love that part, uh, and that's why I would give it an eight. I think it's it's pretty solid. But there are a couple things that bothered me. You know, like like you said, the Kevlar thing just seems so yeah. convenient. Uh, that that really kind of uh, just just kind of stuck with me a little bit. But other than that, I, I like the fact that Alapex is kind of on her own. We don't know what's going to happen to her. I like how Kitsune has to start from the ground up again, and I like that now we got this weird contention with the Pantheon. You know what's going to happen now? And, There's a bit of the division in there, yeah. Right, right. So I do like what it sets up for the future, um, and I'm pretty interesting to see where it starts or see where it goes from here. So. I'd give it probably about an eight out of ten. So we got to talk about the bet. All right. Yeah. So I here won. It comes. I won. <laughs> I. You, uh, you know what? I didn't even know we were betting. I had no idea. Oh, no, you was knew. An actual you bet. knew. Oh, yeah. No, I did not. I, did. I knew over text because <laughs> you texted me. That well, was like, no, oh, man. Our, our buddy Rob. He said, uh, "Well, didn't I put it on Facebook or something like that?" No, I did. <laughs> Get out of here. Oh, wait, You're in yeah. denial. No, okay. no, no. no. <laughs> I remember now. Yeah, you put it over Facebook. Yeah, yeah. So it's official thing. now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now it's official. But I was like, "Hey, man, you should make that. You should make that dude eat a pizza that's disgusting." And you're like, "Yeah." And me being like, "I'm right." I was like, "Yeah, dude, bring it." And I was like, "Oh crap, I'm wrong." <laughs> this is why I don't gamble. Well, you know, I I, I remember. Um, oh gosh, see, well, I never win a bet. And never. No, and anytime there's like door prizes or something like that at a meeting at work, never, I, I never, never win. Man. Yeah. <laughs> Well, the, for for once, I was right, and uh, but you know what, Josh? I consider you a very close friend. I'm uh-huh. not going to make you do anything ridiculous. Uh, uh-huh. I was thinking, here's my pizza of choice that you have to eat live okay. on either the next episode or whenever's whenever's convenient for you to get the pizza and, and the toppings for it. I already told Nicole about this. She said she'd make it. So no way, really. She yeah, said whatever he's going to make, whatever silly stuff he's going to make you do, I will make it for you. I was like, <laughs> okay, fine. Wow, that's that's good. But she's very supportive. I like that. Yeah, she's very supportive <laughs> when I look like an idiot. Yeah, she surely is. Yeah. She's definitely in favor. Um, oh, you know what? We should make Nicole pick. That'd be no, funny. No, 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 please, no, no. All right, Rob, here, here's do it, please, thinking. for the love of God. <laughs> She'll make me eat Drano and jelly bean pizza or something like that. <laughs> Take you to the hospital afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> um, here's what I was thinking. 
I, I originally I was thinking, okay, I'm, let's do anchovies. Let's put those on there. But man, I've never I never had anchovies on pizza. I hate it. I hate anchovies. Okay. My goodness, they make me gag. And I don't want to. I don't want to do that to you. So here's what okay. I was thinking. In the spirit of the uh, '80s cartoon, okay. how about some jelly beans and banana pizza? Jelly beans and bananas. Okay. Can I? Can I? Can there be a caveat? Oh, please. What, what do you think? Can there please be no black jelly beans on it? I cannot stand <laughs> those. The licorice ones. Absolutely disgusting. Okay, that that's fair. So we'll we'll just stick okay. with jelly beans and bananas. Ooh, and I'm gonna have one more. Marshmallows. Okay. Marshmallows. Jelly beans, okay. bananas, and marshmallow pizza. I'm gonna throw some pepperoni on there because that's a little bit too sweet, and I need some savory there. <laughs> so I'm much more of a savory fan than a uh, sweet fan. So. Oh, interesting. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. That's fair. I mean, unless it's like pecan pie or birthday cake, I don't really dig on sweets that much. So. <laughs> oh, see, really? I see. I'm all over sweets, especially around yeah. nine o'clock at night. That's my problem. Halloween or Easter, that's when I let myself... It's it's very much uh, control-imposed kind of a thing. Right. But, you know, <laughs> it's just... I have a... Honestly, my I have a family history of diabetes, and as I've gotten older, I've just become kind of uh, aware of that. Yeah. So it's kind of like, you know, I just want to... I give myself Easter, and I give myself Christmas and Halloween. So it's just like, okay. Right. Go crazy. <laughs> but unless there's like a... There's like pie or something, there's then I'll go for it. <laughs> just because it's something that... You, Pie's hard to make, and a Snickers is easy to buy. Right, so, very true, very true. Let me do that. <laughs> so, okay, a pizza with pepperoni, bananas, jelly beans, and whipped cream. Whipped cream, huh? Oh, marshmallows, marshmallows, okay. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you what, that'll be your choice. You want whipped cream on it, that's fine. If you want marshmallows, but you got to have one of the two. Okay. <laughs> if I can find Malo, that's a good in-between. I'll do that. Oh, okay, yes. <laughs> all right, sounds good. Okay, so, yeah, that, that sounds... <laughs> I don't know if it sounds good, but all right. Next all right, week. That, that's better than anchovies. Trust me. I did anchovies. Yeah. It was uh, episode six of the Retro Junkies. We had just. Started. I remember that. Yeah, oh. you did a. Oh. It was it was uh, jelly, anchovies, and something else. And the anchovies were so salty and gross. I I almost gagged on the show. It was yeah. disgusting. I, I remember. I remember listening to that. I was like, man, this guy. He... <laughs> He's an idiot. This guy, oh no, I was like, this dude is committed to his podcast, this is his baby. And yeah, I was, I was one time, I think we did like a listener vote or something like that, and uh, a, lot of, a lot of my friends that listen to the show, they, they chose that. I was like, oh, thanks guys. Yeah. <laughs> but alright dudes and dudettes, well, I guess to close out today's uh, episode, um, should we just do the pizza I chose for you to do? Uh, you know, you know what? I'm gonna pick because okay. this is what's gonna happen when you pick a pizza. It's gonna be the most <laughs> disgusting thing ever. You know what? I feel a little adventurous since we're gonna do that kind of pizza. So okay. I'm gonna try a pizza that I've never tried before. I'm gonna get a chicken and roasted tomato Ooh, uh, pizza. That sounds really good. I'm not big on chicken on pizza just because I don't think chicken belongs on pizza. Uh, because I'm a purist. <laughs> uh, but I'm gonna do chicken and sun-dried tomatoes. Oh, see, I love sun-dried tomatoes. Mm. Yeah, that's good. Stuff. Oh yeah, I'm oh, a big tomatoes fan. Me so. too. Me too. Fresh or sun-dried, doesn't matter. That's right. Well, all right, dudes and dudettes. Well, dudes and dudettes, I should say. Oh, here's to hoping you enjoy your chicken and sun-dried tomato pizza. Cowabunga, dudes. Cowabunga, everyone. I cannot believe I'm going to eat a marshmallow and 
eat bananas, whatever, pizza. Hey, it makes for good radio. <laughs> All of a sudden, Nicole's going to want to be on the show. <laughs> oh, yeah. She's, she's got to, like, serve you the slice live on the show. I know. And, uh, she's got to be able to, like, take you to the bathroom in case you need to throw up or something like that. Yeah, I know. There's going to be a bottle of my lanzer or something here. Yeah. So. And I'm going to make sure I've got the camera on so you'll know that I'm actually eating it. Oh, maybe, maybe we can put that on the Facebook page or something. Oh, yeah. Like, rip rip okay. the video somehow. <laughs> I know, I have a Canadian computer. Everything's backwards. <laughs> Up is down, black is white, dogs and One of those um, hoser laptops right there. Yeah. I know, man, yeah. <laughs> well, sweet, man. So, um, so are you still cool with doing the toy review and everything? Yes, yeah, I will. You know, got it. Wow, ah, look at this, man. I get this. You, you're doing most of the work in this episode. What about that? Well, you know, I was, I was due. <laughs> <laughs> no, you've been carrying us for the longest time. <laughs> or maybe you were due. You, now you get to relax. You know, you can sit back yeah 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 I'll, I'll put in my um, playful quips every now and then <laughs> you know what in terms of like in terms of do like this is this has always been your show i've always just viewed myself no. as just along for the ride no so, way man. no way no i'm way. happy being robin i have no problem <laughs> as long as it's like the tim drake robin i always liked him right so. right now was he the second robin or the first he was the third one third one okay so we had yeah. dick grayson dick grayson then jason todd jason then todd. what happened I know Dick Grayson turned into Nightwing. What happened to Jason Todd? Was he killed? Joker, Joker killed him. I thought yeah. so. Yeah, there was one that was killed. And yeah. then uh, the last one, Tim Drake, is he still robbing now? Or? He had, Oh, man, it's been so long. Uh, the last time I had read comics regularly, um, Tim Drake, actually, he had grown up. Like, from 1993 to 2010, it was, like, pretty much in almost in real time kind of like every five years in our world it was like a year to them kind of a thing oh, wow. he actually grows up and he becomes red robin and he's his own person and he's at at the time in the comics batman was dead dead wow um and everyone kind of mourned him everyone like even superman was like no i saw him die and tim drake's robin was like no nope, you don't understand it's batman <laughs> it's batman he'll find he's a way alive. And he was the only one that, like, actively pursued who, where Bruce Wayne was. Ooh. Was this the Detective Comics, or it's, like, a different offshoot? Or? It was it, the the whole Batman series as a whole. But at the time, it was uh, Red Robin. He had his own comic. So uh, for, for a long time, there was a Robin comic. Because the Tim Drake Robin specifically, everybody loves Tim Drake because... He was, uh, let's see, he was the only person, he figured out who Bruce Wayne was and figured out, because he figured out who Dick Grayson was, Nightwing, because he recognized um, a certain acrobatic move that he did in the circus. And so he was like, oh, there's only one person I've ever seen do that trick. That's Dick Grayson. And then so he starts, he basically just follows Dick Grayson and then figures out Bruce Wayne is Batman and shows up on... Uh, Bruce Wayne's doorstep is just like, look, you're Batman. I want to be Robin. I'm never going to tell anyone that you're Batman. I just, I want to be Robin. Oh, this and, is after Jason Todd was killed. Yeah, and it was it, it was integral to that story because uh, Bruce Wayne was like, nope, there's no bat, there's no Batgirl, there's no Robin, Nightwing, nobody. I'm I'm a solo act. 
because I can't let anyone die in my name again. Yeah. And so Tim Drake spent a year trying to convince Bruce Wayne to train him. And so it was like, I think from the age of like seven, 16 to 17, all Bruce Wayne did was just train Dick Grayson specifically so he could uh, not lose another Robin. So he went through he went through very intensive training, yeah. like to like even like Dick Grayson even said, "Dude, I would have quit by now with what he's putting." <laughs> yeah. So, um, oh, man. it was a really cool character to watch grow, mature into a young man because like when he finally became Robin, he almost quit being Robin because he didn't know if he could do it. Yeah. He was like, man, is this actually what I wanted? So he had stage fright. Right. And wow. it was it was really cool. Well, I'll tell you, you might like the new series, the Rebirth series. Have you have you read any of those? Uh, no, I haven't. Dude, they're good. I, you know, I, um, I really want to, uh, specifically, yeah. like, I, for the longest time, all I did was just follow Justice League comics mm-hmm. because that was all seven superheroes that I wanted to know about in one book. So right. I, <laughs> just to save money. Yeah, you know, I understand. I, for my same $3, I could get one book with eight superheroes. You know? <laughs> no, I believe me. I understand. I, I've, I've got at my new store, I've got the Turtles set up there and um, Batman and Silver Surfer. I didn't know that Marvel was redoing Silver Surfer. Man, I was a big Surfer fan back in the day. Um, I had like, oh, big time. I loved, there was one issue, and it was, uh, oh gosh, it was in the 80s. I remember it came out, um, and I'd, I'd gotten a whole stack of like the 80s comics and early 90s comics, because I know, I think Volume 3 came out during that time. And I remember there was like this little mini series, kind of like an offshoot series, like, you know, Turtles in Time is, or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it was about... Uh, surfers, he was trying to find Shalabal or Ball or however you say her name. Oh yeah, his his wife. Yeah, yeah. Shalabal. Yeah. Shalabal. Yeah, and he's trying to find her, and something happens to her. And man, it, as a kid, well, probably I say I was probably about twelve. I uh, I cried. I never cried from comics before. It was so well written. And now I can't find it. I know I have it somewhere, but I remember I had gone to a comic store by my dad's house. And they were trying to unload a whole bunch of early 90s comics. So, like, they were 50 cents a piece. So I had almost the entire run of the third volume. And I was looking it up on eBay. And now, like, each issue goes for, like, five, six bucks. So, you know, it's kind of gone up in price. But I started rereading the new um, relaunch of it, and it's really good. It's really good so far. Yeah, Surfer's one of those great characters. I had one Surfer book when I was a kid, and it tied into the whole Infinity Gauntlet storyline. Ooh, see, I don't know much about that. The well, what this one was was it was an offshoot because it was Silver Surfer in the future, and Thanos won. He won. Whoa. He killed all the superheroes, and he kept literally kept uh, Silver Surfer on a leash, and forced him to write basically the revelation of Thanos. So he's wow. writing a Bible about Thanos's conquest, and it goes over. Uh, you see this, he's walking through this graveyard with everyone's headstone there, and everyone has a carved headstone of their bust, basically. So wow. you see Captain America, Spider-Man, Wolverine, all the all the heroes, and he's the last one, and he finally just has enough, and he takes on Thanos one last time. Ooh. And what, what series was this? Infinity? Infinity Quest. I think it was Infinity Quest. Oh, man, I'll have to look oh, that up. Yeah, it's got a really cool cover of just uh, 
Silver Surfer just on his knees, like, in pain with Thanos standing over him. Oh, man. And, like, the coolest part of that book was uh, Surfer just punches at um, Thanos, and Thanos grabs his fist and starts to squeeze his hand, and all you see is his body just start to cover in cracks. Wow. Like, he's going to shatter the Silver Surfer. And Silver Surfer, like, starts... uh, tapping in that like his unknown part of his cosmic powers and you see the cracks start to heal going back up and he just starts laying the waste of Thanos. Ah. And it was a really cool it was a really cool book. And then at the end of the book you realize that that was his future self sending a message to his past self right as the Infinity Gauntlet fight between Thanos and all the heroes is starting. Ah. So now he knows what's gonna happen. So was now- he had to try to kill him before the fight or something like that? Or? Yeah, he has to try to stop Thanos. That's what gives him, that's what you realize gives him the motivation to fight because he was kind of, I think in the Infinity Quest, in the Infinity Gauntlet storyline, he was kind of like, look, we're going to lose. You know, what's, he has the, he has basically God on his hand. Yeah. What is, what are we going to do? Right. <laughs> and Thanos is like, oh crap, never mind. We have to, we, he can't win. You know? <laughs> wow. That sounds, that sounds really good. Yeah, it was a really it was a cool book. That was the one Silver Surfer book I had, just because I could never find Silver Surfer books. Yeah, they're they're not or, really common, like you you know, like X Men or Spider Man or any of the yeah. big name DC comics. They're kind of a, I'd say I don't want to say minor minor league, but uh, yeah. I don't know, it's just underrated. I always thought. Well, it's one of those books where like Silver Surfer is a character who's a fan favorite character who's so easy to screw up. <laughs> True, because, very true. Because it's one of those space level characters that just like the things that you were used to seeing in comic books, he just deals with stuff that's so like way up here. Yeah. True. So much more elevated than just like cuz I love all the street level characters, you know. Like, yeah, yeah. Spider when I did read Marvel, I don't really read Marvel books anymore cuz I don't I don't like them. Mm-hmm. Um Oh, the new Spider-Man, I've I bought one just out of curiosity and yeah. it's so slow paced. Yeah, uh, I bought issue. I think it was issue four of the the newest run. Yeah, uh, I think it just came out, and I was like, it, it was literally three quarters of the issue was him and a friend debating on whether they were going to talk to another X Men at a, in a cafeteria. <laughs> it, 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 that was almost a whole issue. I was like, nothing's happening. See, I won't read Spider Man anymore because, like the uh, the one like I I really hate it when people have the argument of. You know, this thing ruined my childhood, basically. Oh, yeah. No, your childhood's still intact. (laughs) But you know what? I understand it because I have one storyline that really, really messed with me. And it messed with a lot of people. It was called Spider-Man One More Day. Hmm. Did you ever read that? No, no, I haven't even heard of it. One More Day came out. It was the end of this, like, eight to ten year run on this one writer's amazing Spider-Man uh, run. It was a writer named J. Michael Straczynski. He created Babylon 5. Oh, wow. And, yeah, and so he was writing Spider-Man for almost ten years, I think. Was and this around he the was, 80s, you think? Or? No, no, no. This was uh, between 2002 and 2010. Oh, this wow. Was, or 2008. It was very recent. And he was editor... Uh, the editor's uh, forced him to write a storyline that completely reset Spider-Man's continuity oh. because their boss, uh, J- Joe Quesada, he hated the fact that Spider-Man was married, hated the Mary Jane character, 
because he felt that he it aged the character. Huh. Um, uh, and young comic readers can't identify with a married superhero. And so basically the story boils down to the fact that Aunt May is about to die. She's in the hospital. She was shot. And Peter Parker's trying to save her. And he's he's constantly told she's going to die. She, she's going to die. doesn't matter what happens. Sorry. And, like, he goes to Doctor Strange. He goes to Doctor Doom. He goes to Professor X. He goes to everyone who's either a leading person in the medical field or a sorcerer and everyone tells him no she's gonna die she was shot in the heart there's nothing that can be done yeah and so he literally he is uh given an offer by mephisto who is the marvel universe version of satan Mm, yeah he's like look i'll save your life i'll save your aunt may's life but i want your marriage and he's like what he's like yeah i want the marriage between you and mary jane he's like uh just he's what does he say? He says, I want to take the fact that you two were married away from existence. So it's like it'll be like you two never were married. Wow. And it's horrible. It's it's poorly written. It's stupidly drawn. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, it's because the guy that wrote it, J. Michael Straczynski, he did not want to write it. He it was a four issue story. Yeah. He wrote the th- first three issues and the fourth issue he completely refused to write it. Wow. And so there were like 10 other Marvel writers that just basically just threw together a script. Yeah. And so and he even took his name off of the publication the writer the main writer J Michael Straczynski. Yeah. And he he was forced into it and I felt I felt offended yeah. because of the reasoning behind it because it was just like no kids can't identify with a married superhero. And I was just like I started reading Spider-Man comics in the 80s. Yeah, Spider Man was married already, right? Yeah, and and, and the, the um oh gosh, when they when they brought it back in the early nineties, uh, the the new offshoot, um, written by the guy who did Spawn, I can't think of his name, uh, McFarlane, McFarlane, Tom, yeah, Tom Tyler. McFarlane, he he brought it back, um, and I had a lot of the early nineties ones, and he was married in those too. Yeah, he he was married for a long time in the comics, and it it I understand why some people don't like the Mary Jane character because just for a lot of Mary Jane's existence, it was pretty much like she's just worried about Peter Parker. All she does is just worry about Peter Parker. Mm. I was like, well, yeah, if you were a superhero, I would hope my wife worried about (laughs) Yeah, like, ah, it'll be all right. Yeah. And so I, at at that point, I know it sounds silly, but it's just like, no, I can't read, I can't read Spider-Man anymore just because, just because of what, how much the creators didn't care about him. Yeah. You know, because like him being married to Mary Jane was an integral part of his character. Yeah. And it's just like, I just can't do it. And I started noticing that made me notice a lot of the flaws in Marvel's characters where it was just like, you know, yeah, it was like Civil War 2 is happening in the comics now or it just ended. And when did it start? The same month the Captain America movie came out. Right. You know? Yeah. And it was the same story. It was two superheroes that were divided on an ideal, and this gang of superheroes is going to fight this gang of superheroes. Yeah. yeah. Ah, man. Crazy stuff. But, uh, yeah. well, man, you want to get into this, my friend? Anyway, Ninja Turtles. <laughs> yeah. 